0: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Tyler Dunn, formerly of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, formerly of Bleacher Report, now of his own personal content platform, is on the show today to talk about the story he wrote about Jordan Love, about AJ Dillon, great anecdote about Jay Sternberger. We're going to talk about the toughness of this team, their plan with Jordan Love, and we're going to talk a little bit of Aaron Rodgers because the last time he was on this show, he was on it because he wrote... Uh, what was a pretty scathing investigative report, and and maybe that's going a little overboard in terms of what it was in terms of investigative, but it was a a story pulling back the curtain in the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. And so, I, you know, I want to see if his perception of anything has changed over the last few years, because it does seem to me anyway, the perception of Rodgers has changed among fans. It has changed. Among media and I think most importantly it has changed among teammates and coaches and maybe the answer is as simple as you know what number 12 has changed a little bit too and you know I think frankly it's a little bit of of a lot of different things so we're going to talk to Ty about that before we do that though it looks like Raven Green is going to be out a while looks like Tyler Irvin is going to be out a while and I want to talk about their replacements. If Raven Green is going to be out a while, that leaves the Packers with a decision to make about how they handle their not just their base defense, but their sub-package defense. And this is important because they play so much sub-package. Mike Patton loves to play that. Um, it's really a big dime look, frankly, but they call it big nickel where you play with the single linebacker and you have a safety in that linebacker spot along with the extra cornerback. And it it is a spot that Raven Green has played this season um, and, and I think has played it admirably. He has not been a game changer, has not been a field tilter necessarily, but he's been solid, right? What do you do if he's not in there? Do you just say, okay, Will Redman, you're up? I don't think either Redmond or Vernon Scott, the rookie, are ideal fits to simply assume that role. I don't think the prudent call here is to just play next man up football. What I think makes more sense is to say rather than play some of that super sub package hybrid type defense, at least on... First and second down, feel comfortable just keeping Kamel Martin on the field. I went back and watched the tape, and he is someone who is not perfect in his run fits. He's not perfect in his reads. I think he can be a little over-aggressive, chasing downhill in the run game, get out of position in the back end. Unfortunately, that's a problem for Christian Kirksey as well a little bit. And in in some ways, it's by design. If you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake at 100 miles an hour. And that is something that Mike Patton has preached really for a long time. But the advantage you gain with Martin, especially on, let's say, second and 10, second and eight, when maybe you would go to that hybrid look and bring Raven Green in and take Martin off the field. Let's say a team does run the ball. You're giving up a, a not insignificant amount with Green on the field, given his size uh, and, and his strength and his playmaking. Martin makes a handful of plays a game, even in limited snaps. And he did it again on Sunday. You know, he he had a, a missed tackle for loss that on, a, on a tackle that he just fell off. Early in the game, he comes back, is shot out of a cannon, and makes a, a TFL on Miles Sanders a little bit later on. He is a playmaker. He is a tone setter for your defense because of the mentality that he brings to your defense. This is a question about mentality. And so after this whole discussion we have with Mike Patton about what is happening with the, the man coverage versus zone coverage and the front and what they're doing and how they're attacking quarterbacks versus not attacking. If you want the attacking player, and it seems like that's what this defense wants to do. They want to play downhill. Then you put Kamal Martin on the field and you live with the mistakes. I think they have allowed Raven Green, frankly, to play too much of slot corner. You know, if it's if it's a, a situation where they're just going to play sides and you've got Shannon Sullivan on one side against a tight end and Raven Green on the other against a receiver, they, they seem to be fine with that. I'm not. I'm not. That doesn't make sense. And this is tied into the conversation we had yesterday about the amount of man coverage that the Packers are playing. If you play more man coverage, you have to be more cognizant about these matchups. And that means giving Chan and Sullivan the opportunity to chase receivers in the slot. And maybe you do put Christian Kirksey or Kamel Martin out on a tight end and say, let's see what you can do. Because most of the tight ends that the Packers are going to face are not going to kill them. They're not going to kill them. And very few tight ends in the league are capable of of beating you by themselves. Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, that's really the full list. And, And you can start to add Big Bob Tanyan to that list because he has injected himself into that conversation. You have to account for him every time you're on the field against the Packers offense. They're going to find him the ball if you don't cover him sufficiently. I think this has as much to do about Martin's development as it does with the players that you have behind Because Will Redmond, Vernon Scott, those guys are just not it. They're just not going to give you enough. And you need to get a a player who can make some impact plays. And, And Raven Green doesn't always do that. But Martin can. And so this is really, in some ways, just an end around to get uh, Martin more opportunities on the field because they're taking him off the field. In, in some of these situations, I think, frankly, um, if you played and gave Martin all of Kirksey's snaps, I think this defense would probably be better, even if it meant some mistakes from Martin. I think he'd make more impact plays. And, and this is how I feel about Darnell Savage, too. You live with the valleys because of what the peaks can be. That's how I feel about Camille Martin. Now, the flip side of this is Tyler Rubin. Because Tyler Irvin looks like he's going to be out a little while and he ha- now has this problem in a more prominent role. He is not able to stay healthy and has not been able to stay healthy this year. Luckily, the Packers have Tavon Austin, who you hope can get up to speed. He's not going to be able to come in and, and you know play 80% of snaps or something right away, but he can come in and say, all right, I can do the jet sweeps. I can run some of these mesh concepts. I can do some little underneath stuff for you, and I can be the return guy. You have a plan there, and, and, and it's a good plan, frankly. Now, I think what this tells us is, number one, Matt LaFleur has found a way to continue to use motion after you know early injuries to Irvin scuttled uh, his desire to do so. I think it also underscores the idea that While I do think the Packers have been able to make do with the receivers that they have getting someone who can do a little bit more the kind of things that Irvin can in terms of the jet sweep motion and the quick passes and and to be a little bit more dynamic after the catch. It's a type of player they don't have. Do I think it needs to be someone you use a first round pick on? No, I don't. Do I think it's someone it's someone you need to even spend a second or a third round pick on? Not necessarily. If you did it, great, fine. I don't think you need to do that. You can get these kinds of players. You can get Tavon Austin on the street, frankly, but you can get a young guy, second, third, fourth, even the fifth round, who is just going to play this role and and can provide that for you. And part of the reason that that you can be okay with that is the evolution of Devontae Adams to become you know one of the best receivers. Alan Lazard loves to tweet, top two, not two. Uh, which means he's the best receiver in football. I think Lazard's growth here is huge. Uh, Big Bob Tunyon's growth is huge. Jay Sternberger still has plenty of room to grow. And we haven't even talked about Josiah DeGuara, who's coming back next year. Uh, And and then, you know, EQ, MVS guys who are um, talented players, but don't play that role specifically. Green Bay has a short-term answer. I think it's worth thinking about a long-term answer in both of these cases because... I do think Kamel Martin is your every down linebacker moving forward, and and I would be pretty excited about it, at least about the upside and the talent and the physicality and, and the force that he brings to that position. If I'm looking at the draft, though, and, and this team, I do wonder who is that hybrid player. I do wonder who that jet sweep guy is. And so if you're looking at guys who can come in and make an instant impact, maybe they have, they feel good about Josh Jackson coming in and playing corner there and elect Kevin King walk. They have a plan at the offensive line. And those are really the places where you might be losing starters and don't, you know, necessarily um, need to to make a move because you have a corner, you have a center, you have a pass rusher. If you want to move on from Preston Smith, they don't have a swing tackle if they're going to move on from Rick Wagner, but you can also keep Rick Wagner. He's cheap. And you deal or, you know, you cut them and you you have a backup plan in the draft. I, I don't be surprised is what I'm saying that if on day two, the Packers draft some sort of safety linebacker hybrid early and uh, a run after catch, you know, maybe Debo Samuel light kind of player, obviously not Debo because Debo was a top 40 pick, but you know, if they want to if they want to draft an offensive tackle or right tackle of the future or something like that early, if they want to take a cornerback early, I think that's that's in the cards. Look, take take the safety early. And if you want take the receiver early, that's fine, too. I mean, the, the impact we talked all offseason about the guy who could most impact this team is an impact receiver and and that's mostly just because i i feel receivers can can really be impactful players overall in any situation uh, but they they have some opportunities here in the offseason to upgrade those positions luckily for them they have options now on guys that they can throw out there and and feel pretty good about being useful players in this defense before we get to Ty, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And they've added six new flavors like caramel brownie and cookies and cream to an already loaded lineup that features names like salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, German chocolate, and so many more. They're 100% chocolate covered. They're soft. They're easy to chew. Best of all, they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. These things are legit delicious. If you don't believe me, I'm telling you, you will be amazed. If you make a purchase and you are are freaking out, I'm I'm telling you, do not freak out. These things are the goods. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on to get twenty percent off your next order. That's promo code locked on for twenty percent off at builtbar.com. All right, let's get to our conversation. With Tyler Dunn, formerly of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He was on uh, the Great Packers podcast with Bob McGinn back when they were both at JS. You can follow him on Twitter at Ty Dunn. He now is the main content creator, the founder of Go Long, which is a newsletter uh, dedicated to football journalism. And you can check that out now, even before you have to pay for it, just to make sure uh, it's something that you're interested in. I highly recommend you go check that out. Ty, thanks for coming back on Locked On Packers.
1: Great to be here, man. Been too long. Always good to hear uh, your voice, a familiar voice.
0: Yours as well, and I'm I'm delighted to have you on because you wrote two pieces for your new. Are we calling it a vertical? What, what do we? What is the name here for for what you're working on now?
1: Yeah, yeah, it uh, Whatever you want, you know, publication, <laughs> vertical, <laughs> newsletter. Probably a newsletter is the way to go. There's through Substack, so it's a subscription newsletter. We're just focused on enterprising uh, pro football journalism. Hopefully, tell you a story you haven't read before.
0: Well, and and certainly there was some some great stuff in the in the stories that you put out over the weekend on on Jordan Love and and AJ Dillon's thighs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want to start with the Jordan Love piece because there was there was one nugget in there that that in terms of you know, like newsworthiness really stood out to me along with a lot of great anecdotes about, you know, what the players had to say about love. And that was that Matt LaFleur was the only NFL head coach to talk to. Was it his offensive coordinator? Was it his old head coach about Jordan Love?
1: Correct. I'm glad you caught that. Yeah. David Yost, uh, he was the OC at Utah state really when Jordan Love was at his best, right. Mm -hmm. His second to last year there, second year there. So you know, I I I was surprised to hear that as well. I mean, Yoast said, "Look, I talked to scouts and, and people around the league, but Matt Lafleur was the only head coach that I spoke to directly, and it was a long conversation. They had known each other from the scouting trail you know, back when Lafleur was at Notre Dame. You know, these it's, it's, a, it's a pretty uh, small fraternity, believe it or not. So they knew each other, but it was a connection. Um, you know, a scout there in Green Bay who actually lived with uh, Daryl Franklin, actually lived with Yoast." When he was at another school, um, so he's this assistant is telling, you know, Yoast, hey, we love your guy. (laughs) We're watching Jordan Love. He connected Lafleur with with Yoast, and they had a conversation that I feel like Matt Lafleur probably had with a lot of people who knew Jordan Love.
0: And so, you know, this is this is I think evidence that. Green Bay zeroed in on Love early. We've had some reporting that that was something that they they really really liked him from the jump. This is not they didn't fall ass backwards into Jordan Love.
1: Exactly right. They didn't. This wasn't just uh, you know throwing a dart at a board and you know hoping for the best. This was a quarterback right. they targeted, and they're not dumb. I mean they they know their fan base you know better than anybody. They know what the the reaction with the backlash is going to be and. They know Aaron Rodgers better than anybody. They know what that backlash is going to be. So Mm -hmm. to make this pick, to take this plunge, um, they they absolutely knew everything that went into it. And, you know, do they look at Jordan Love as Patrick Mahomes 2.0, as one of his wide receivers does, and put three times in our our story? I'm not sure. Maybe. Who knows? Um, But they love him. And they took him for a reason. And I don't think they mind the collateral damage. I mean, they they know what their QB1 is like, how he's wired. You know, he's always searching for a slight, a grudge, whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call it. And uh, you can't really draw one up with more impact than, you know, drafting the man's replacement.
0: What I thought was interesting is is just the framing of the story was through this lens of hey, teams don't usually try this. Teams don't usually build for the future while they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. And the, and the list of teams that have gone from one to another is, is pretty short. I mean, you've got the 49ers. They go from Montana to Young. Obviously, the Packers did it with Favre to Rogers. And as you pointed out, this is something that they're thinking about, not just this year, but in 2025, what this team is going to look like.
1: Fascinating. I think you know when you actually look at the numbers and then just the, the game that a rookie quarterback finally sees the field as a starter. It, it I don't know blew my mind. I know Albert Breer does a great job of charting this all, uh-huh. uh, but I think it was 40, Aaron Rodgers' 49th game that he started. Uh, the next, the second closest since two thousand one is Philip Rivers at his thirty third game, and I think thirty three of forty four quarterbacks played by their tenth game. Yep. So for all, everything you hear out of coaches and GMs, every draft, oh, we took this player. But he's not our guy. He's going to learn. He's going to develop. He's going to sit behind Tyrod Taylor, whatever, whoever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's pressure from ownership, pressure from GM, the fan base, or whoever they have as a starter, maybe just not being good enough. I mean, that player is going to play. That's the norm. In Green Bay, it's just different. I mean, they really are the anomaly here. They're, they're the team that genuinely – wants to kind of build two teams within one. And they're doing that at quarterback, but they're even doing it elsewhere. I mean, I, I really think that they love A.J. Dillon at running back, that Matt Lafleur sees a lot of Derrick Henry in him. He has, what, like 26, 27 carries this year? I mean, he's barely played. Uh, and I know fans probably look at that like, oh, my God, what a bust, what a wasted pick when the Packers are really looking at this like, okay, no, we're 9-3. We're uh Aaron Rodgers is (laughs) an MVP candidate we can we can win now guess what the Packers they won in the now in 07 with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers you know breathing down his neck so you can win now and you can plan for the future and the absolute worst time to look for a quarterback is when you need one so they're going to avoid that it's just different it's I'm shocked that more teams don't do it like who cares about hurting someone's feelings it's professional sports like I, I think there's a lot of that. I mean, when you look back at these Hall of Fame quarterbacks, it's they the, their last two, three, four years. It's it can be pretty ugly. It can be yeah. it can be rough. I mean, the Giants hung on to Eli Manning way longer than they should have, and um, you know, granted, they, they think they got the guy in Daniel Jones, but who knows? It's you got to be a little callous. You got to be a little emotionless when you're running the show, and, and God knows Ted was callous and emotionless, and, and Brian Gutekunst might be too.
0: Well, and, and you know, this as someone who lives in New York, when when Eli Manning, when they benched him that one season, people freaked out and it was like the season was over, guys. Like, wh- why is he? Why would you put Eli out there? And, and teams don't think that way. In fact, Dan Orlovsky uh, made some waves on Twitter the other day. I guess he was on NFL Live when he said the Eagles, you know, contributed to the breaking of Carson Wentz by drafting Jalen Hurts. And it's like, well, well, look at Green Bay because they don't look broken to me.
1: Exactly. I mean, if you've got a starting quarterback who can't handle that, you know, I don't know the win. Then situation. maybe you don't I'm have a starting jugger-ly. quarterback, right? Ex- exactly. You don't have a guy who can just <laughs> stare down a pass rush in a playoff game, get hit in the jaw and deliver the throw with everything on the line. You know, it kind of speaks to mentality and it's just, that sentimentality is, is I mean, I, I I get it, like, I guess it's important to sell something to a fan base and there's a business aspect to the game, but we're just talking about the raw game itself, like that giant situation. I mean, give, give me a break. Like Eli, was, he was washed by that point. Like, what, what, I know he's got the streak and that's great. Maybe it, your argument is, you know, there's nothing else to play for. Let's just keep the streak alive. But I mean, there's too many jobs on the line. I mean, people in the front office, they got jobs to do. They don't want to get fired. You know, they got to think about, the team and the franchise, same as the coaches, and that—that that is something that we should look into. It go along. That's a great idea. I think we'll do it.
0: <laughs> I love it. I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I can't wait to read whatever it is. Uh, what I, I need to know: what prompted the the Jay Sternberger anecdote about jadavian Clowney? Like, what conversation? How did you get there? <laughs> Because it, I was laughing out loud reading it. It was just so, it was just, as someone who has talked to Jay Sternberger a number of times, it, it just, it was so fun to hear that.
1: Oh my God, he was a riot. I'm trying to think back how that came up. I think we were really just talking about the toughness that the Packers have, need, what Matt LaFleur's done to kind of foster that environment and he got into his own position coach who really tries to instill that into guys to kind of you know kind of be jerks out there kind of be a-holes get under guys skin and that's the example he brought up I mean it's I mean I watched that game live and I kind of remembered them getting into it but you don't catch everything on the tv copy and him kind of providing the play-by-play was was fascinating I mean he like you said this is something he's always done he just feels like this magnetic pull to just Challenge the biggest, baddest, meanest dude on the field, and that was and Clowney that night. And he, from play number one, all the way through, he was bumping him, he was leg-whipping him, he was ticking him off, and, <laughs> you know, Clowney just, he lost his cool, and you don't, you don't see that a lot out of Clowney, where he just loses his cool. Like, he he tried to take his head off. yeah, <laughs> With the face mask. Um, but think about it, Pete, I mean, you, you watch this team, you know, so closely the, this past say since the Super Bowl that they won in 2010, you know, I can remember a time in the 14 playoff game against Dallas when TJ Lang was in a melee and sticking up for guys. But how often have you really just seen like skirmishes like that in a playoff game from this team? I mean, yeah. I feel like you could count on one hand the number of times you just, you just saw guys pissed off and, and willing to just, you know, roll up their sleeves and take on a dude like Clowney. It's, I, I, Ted is, Ted Thompson did an incredible job building building that roster. You know, nobody's arguing that. But they, they needed they needed some batter dudes on that team. Just you know, as, as guys like to say, dogs. They didn't have a lot of those. Getting in that playoff game, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that they just kind of melted away and, and got blown out and looked soft in some of these playoff games. They they need more Sternbergers out there, and I, I think they think they have them.
0: Yeah, and and coaches will often use um, less safe for work terminologies. Um, you know, uh, MFers, I think is, is what you all often hear. And, and I think that the Packers have more now than, than they used to certainly, and potentially one of them who you brought up, AJ Dillon, um, you know, he is, he is more than just some, some massive glorious quads. I, I guess I, I want to know first, what made you interested in, enough in him to, to, to write about him? Cause he hasn't, mm-hmm. to your point, had that many carries this year.
1: Yeah, it, just the fact that he is so different, you know, He you don't see big, strong, yet fast, athletic running backs in the NFL. I mean, when they drafted him, I'll be honest, I had no clue who he was. I wasn't watching Boston <laughs> College football. I mean, God, they, they played Syracuse, but so we're not watching Syracuse beat. Right? I mean, we don't. We checked out of them, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what this guy was, like everybody else. And then just kind of studying up, watching him, um, speaking to him at, at length. We talked for a long time. Uh, he, he's the first to say, "Look, I know it looks different. Like you don't see guys of my size out there." And he, he believes teams are just scared that they see somebody like him and just assume he's a goal line back. And he wanted to make it clear, I'm not just a goal line back. Like I'm somebody with this time in the forty, with this broad jump, with this vertical. And guess what? That's even better than Derrick Henry. And we all saw what Derrick Henry did. And he kept, you know, he'd say, "Well, I'm not trying to say I am Derrick Henry. I don't." wanna But but he kind of was. Like he he believes he can bring that same effect with thighs that you know, as he put, could feed a family of five, um, <laughs> and maybe <laughs> and I just more. Kept thinking, Right. Oh, my God, yeah. I had to put that picture in the story. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, I just had all these flashbacks to Eddie Lacy, and, and man, yeah. he was – those first two years were special. I mean, he he just – he started to change the identity of the team a bit. And, you know, for, what, three-and-a-half quarters, three-and-seven-eighths quarters at, at Seattle, they were a team punching another team in the mouth with an Eddie yeah. Lacy. And I, and I don't know if he ever just genuinely loved the game, ate the game, breathed the game, sleep the game. Like fans would really be shocked to find out, I think, that a lot of guys are just really good at football. They don't necessarily just love it. And, you know, there, I think there's a lot more going on there with Lacey, like from the childhood with Katrina. He was so yeah. open about that. And, you know, I learned into his childhood as innocence and, there's an emptiness there. He, he didn't know if he'd get back to the eating problems. Um, unbelievable story in ESPN a few years back on that. So yep. there's a lot going on there. I, I think with A.J. Dillon, you you have somebody who genuinely will do everything in his power to put his just ridiculously rare attributes to use. And they just haven't had to use it yet. They got Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. When they, when they need him, I, I think he's going to be a force.
0: Yeah, and, and he was one of the first guys, um, not just first rookies, one of the first guys uh, in Green Bay up at Synergy working out. Uh, you know, this off season, so uh, certainly he is he is willing to put in the work. I got to ask you about this because the last time you were on, uh, we talked about uh, a pretty lengthy and and um, well reported piece about the the relationship and what went wrong with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. Over the last couple of years since that has come out, and really since Matt LaFleur has been in Green Bay, I think a lot of public perception about Aaron Rodgers has changed uh in, in terms of his leadership and and what he is he is doing with young players, et cetera. And and, and certainly his relationship with Matt LaFleur seems to be very different than it was with Mike McCarthy at the end. What have you noticed uh that has changed about Rodgers in that regard? And have you heard anything from from guys? Because I know you talk to a lot of players about. You know, Aaron Rodgers and his relationship, whether it's with his teammates, with his franchise, et cetera?
1: No doubt. I think that it just got to a point there when Mike McCarthy was fired. You know, it was it was time. I mean, the not just the offense. I mean, that was obviously stale, but everything was stale. The the whole organization was stale. Yeah. I mean, he was in need of rejuvenation. And he's clearly rejuvenated. I mean, he was rejuvenated very early on with Matt LaFleur. And I know everybody loves to rip Greg Jennings, but Greg Jennings is the one that said, hey, he could be part of the solution. Like if he buys in to this offense and look, and I'm not even saying that, that him freelancing and McCarthy's scheme wasn't the best thing for that. I mean, McCarthy's scheme isn't, it, it, it got pretty bad. It got pretty stale itself. I mean, it yeah. was pretty heavy. No question. So, you know, I get it. Like, but with a new coach, with a scheme that's going to work, and be best for Aaron Rodgers, and you know what, maybe you run the ball a little bit more, maybe we get you moving a little bit more, get some motion, get some misdirection, do all that kind of stuff. It's going to help him in the long haul, and by all accounts, it seems like he's bought in, and the offense is rejuvenated. He's rejuvenated, and I think the fact that the personnel around him has just completely changed helps, too. I mean, he's got a lot of young players around him that are hungry. Um, Like Alan Lazard and Jay Sternberger said, like, yeah, it's hard to get on his page, but it, it's a challenge. Like you, you want to try to make it clear, to Aaron Rodgers, like that, that he can trust you in any situation, yeah. and that's it's tough to get to that point. But uh, I think you know it's funny after that story came out, and you know you you heard from some players on on Twitter that you know it didn't choose to speak for the story, but did afterwards. But that's beside the point. Of, <laughs> but I got calls from some other guys that aren't necessarily going to put it out, and there was one young receiver was in Green Bay. I won't say his name. We just talked for a half hour, and he had, God, you know, six, seven, eight more different stories about number 12 and just how demanding it was and how he just had complete control and practice. And so, like, Edgar Bennett, receivers coach at one point, was just like, just do whatever he says. And (laughs) didn't speak very kindly of him. Um, But, you know, guys like that, I mean, they're not there anymore, you know? Right. I think Rodgers probably has matured and evolved over time. Um, we'll we'll see, you know. I mean it's he won't be able to really judge everything until the playoffs, until that NFC championship game and they've, you know, got, they've gotten their their butts whipped in that game. You know, even, you know, as recently as last year, even with right. Sternberg taking on Clowney and them being tougher. Well, they got whacked the next week. So, you know, I think we're really going to learn all about Aaron Rodgers at this point of his career. All about this Packers right now under Matt Lafleur. In in that game, and there's a good chance they get to that game.
0: Yeah, and, and it it should be said that Jay Sternberger scored his first career touchdown that next week. So just what? yeah, I'm just saying. Um, let uh, my listeners know where they can find uh, th- this new uh, newsletter. Uh, it's uh, it's the tie Dunn vertical to me. So let's I- I'm going to call <laughs> it that too.
1: Beautiful. They can find it at a uh, go long TD, like my initials in touchdown, .com. and touchdown.com go long TD.com. And right now stories are, are opened up for everybody. Cause I want people to get a sense for the kind of journalism and, and features and profiles that we're going to be doing. Uh, but please, you know, we'll never discourage you from just hitting that subscribe button for seven a month, if you'd like, or 70 a year. So um, it's, it's been awesome that the feedback has been Incredible, and, and specifically with your listeners, I mean they've just been amazing. I mean, after that Packer story came out, it was it was really humbling just to kind of see not, not just tweets from all these familiar faces I remember from the beat, but I mean, people signing up. You know, you can sign up for the free email list, you can subscribe, and um, can definitely assure everybody we'll we'll keep checking in on those Packers because they're gonna be fascinating for a long time.
0: Hell yeah, Ty! Appreciate it, man, and and go sign up for his newsletter. Uh, I don't I don't know many people in this business who work harder or do better work than than Ty Dunn. So, and he just has the perfect initials, TD. I mean, come on!
1: <laughs> oh man, hey, I really appreciate that, dude. That means a lot. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks, Ty. All right, I want to thank Ty again for joining the program. Always great to talk to him. We're gonna be back tomorrow. Crossover Thursday, our live show on Friday to get you set for Packers-Lions at 2.0. I don't expect it to go that differently from Packers-Lions 1.0. But of course, we will see and talk to Matt Derry from Locked on Lions all about it tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers at any time. And you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-341. 3775 to stay locked on Packers.